what are the odds that you are actually the best vendor of X ever in human history? It's unknowable. It's mm-hmm. an unknowable thing. So all the clients you have are because you were at the right place at the right time. They saw your thing. They related to your message. And maybe they compared it to two others. Hello, and welcome to Death to the Corporate Video, a podcast with tools and advice for how to make B2B video ads your prospects actually want to watch. I'm Hope Morley. I'm Guy Bauer. On today's show, we actually had a completely different idea and then came up with this yesterday. So uh, bear with us, listeners. But we think that this is going to be a useful conversation. We just thought of this. (laughs) As we were prepping for this episode. This was Hope's um, idea. Yeah, no, I'm totally. Just <laughs> we can take joint credit. Reminds me of in Spinal Tap when they try to come back as an improv- improvisational jazz band, freeform <laughs> jazz. And like, you are witnessing the rebirth of Spinal Tap. This was his idea. <laughs> <laughs> you are witnessing the rebirth. <laughs> I love that movie. It's I love I haven't any seen humor, that movie in so long. Uh, any humor it's that's depression-based with, like, bad things happening, that's the funniest stuff. It's that cringe kind of comedy, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this was anyway, Hope's idea. So, I yes. had a really good topic, and she was like, let's just improv it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think I blew it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so what right. are we talking about today, Hope? Today, we are talking to directly to in-house marketers. And what we want to say today is we want you to have realistic expectations of your audience who are watching your video content. And we have five expectations that you should have when you're thinking about the people who are going to be engaging with your content. Because I think it's important to remember that you and your audience are actually very, very different people. You have very different expectations when Mm -hmm. it comes to watching, especially video content, but any marketing content this can apply to. We talk about video because that's our specialty. And also it does require a little bit more of a time commitment for most people. But that said, so we have five resets that we want you to make or five ways to think about the expectations that you should have of your audience. Great. Sounds good. Sounds like a way better topic than the one we were going to talk about, (laughs) which I forget. Man, this seems like a really great idea. All right. Expectation number one that you should have. Expectation number one. Number one is they don't care. They don't care about you or your competition as much as you do. And Guy, can you break that down? I'm going to unpack that. Let's uh, open up the suitcase of that idea. And first, I'm going to take out that top compartment where you shove all your shoes in. Okay. Yeah, they don't care about your company. They don't care about your values or your vision or anything like that. It's not like these are apathetic people in general, just nihilists going around the internet. (laughs) It's that, like, can you blame them, though? They have so many things they're worrying about. And then, Mm -hmm. like, they don't care about your company, even... Like, I love Apple. I own Apple everything. But fundamentally, I don't really care about Apple. Like, I don't lose sleep over Apple's divestiture in different businesses. And when they acquire something, I really don't care. I'm even a shareholder of Apple, and I don't care. 
people don't care about what you have to say. They really don't. So you have to assume disinterest. They, you have to fight against that disinterest and bake it into your creative, meaning how will you make them interested? You have to assume disinterest. They don't care about your brand. They also don't care about your competition. Your competition sucks. We know it, right? Like your competitor stinks and let's make a campaign talking about how bad our competitor is. Yes, to you, you know everything inside and out about your competition and why you are better than theirs. Why their mousetrap sucks, your mousetrap is way better. But to the outside, they just don't care that much. They don't have feelings positive or negative about your competitor. They mm -hmm. don't. Your competitor keeps you up at night. So while making an ad attacking a competitor is catharsis for you and feels good, to the person watching it, it's probably just an ad for them. <laughs> they may even go like, oh, I didn't even know insert competitor does this. Let me check them out. <laughs> they must be good if people are attacking them. People know number two attacks, number one, number one, never attacks number two. So when you take an attacking pose too, you automatically subjugate yourself and make yourself look like that way. The main thing is though, your audience are not losing sleep over your competition like you are. Mm -hmm. So that's not an area to mine. Now, granted, there are exceptions and there's so many, you know, I never want to completely make a rule you know, never attack the competition. No, there are no rules. But as a general, just note, your audience doesn't really care about your brand or your competition like you do. Yeah. And I will say, of course, there are people who are researching alternatives for a product or service because they are unhappy with their current provider. So there mm -hmm. is a chance that they are with your competition and they're unhappy. So they're trying to switch to you. But if they're already unhappy, there are other pain points you can probably hit on than this sort of personal attack on the company that they're leaving. You know, the better way to attract that person is to talk about what they do care about, which is the way to fix all of this, which is how is their life going to be better? Boom. You know, what what are you offering them that is going to improve their direct day to day interaction with your product or service, with their job, with their life? Mm -hmm. Trust me. I hate all the competition. We're better than all of them, right? Like, I don't, we don't hate them. In fact, <laughs> whatever. But you know what I mean? Hate's a strong word. I tell my daughters, don't use the word hate. But we, we know we're better than the competition, but we even made an ad attacking the competition and it, it stunk. It did nothing. And it wasn't even really attacking. It was just kind of making fun of them yeah. in a way that we thought was funny and it no. flopped. Because nobody cares. Nobody mm -hmm. cares as much as you do. The other thing I w will say about this too is stop the comparison of mousetraps. So we're on an engagement right now where our client claims they're like, no, you, you don't understand. We have the best thing. Okay. And they're telling us that and they believe it and they should. It's good to have pride in your product, right? They, they know all the reasons why their thing is better than everyone else's. But see, I'm an outsider, right? So I, we, when we do our competitive analysis, I went to their competitors and all their competitors are literally saying the same thing they are. That's another thing is like, you know, you're better than the competition, but 
relative to an audience member, you're all saying the same thing that you're the best. Mm -hmm. So again, like I don't care enough about your product to do a 20 hour research project. And this will come into another assumption you need to make or another uh, expectation. Um, but uh, yeah, they just don't care. They don't care. Mm -hmm. You have to make them care. You have to make them care. You have to talk about what they do care about. Too. And they care about money. They care about themselves. They care about themselves. Job security, money, ROI, like, and it may not even be money. It may just be looking good, which is mm -hmm. why people use IBM and, you know, all the blue chip players may just be looking smart, keeping the job for another two years so they can retire with their full thing. You know what I mean? Like these are, yeah. these are the things that people care about. They don't lose sleep over your competition. Okay. Item number two, assumption. What is it? Realistic expectation about realistic, your audience. Realistic number expectation number two is your audience does not pick up on subtlety or nuance. So this one's taken from George Tenenbaum. Thank you, George, which he learned this from Errol Morris, who said subtlety is for amateurs. We've talked about it on this podcast, but your audience does not pick up on all the things that you're going to pick up on. There's so many details that you're going to want to throw into your ad that will just go over the head of, uh, of your audience. And you have to smack people in the head with stuff. They are not going to pick up on all the little things that you think they're going to pick up on. They're going to pick up on the big stuff. For example, and, and brands, even big brands, make this mistake all the time. You remember the Peloton Christmas ad where the guy buys his totally in shape wife. <laughs> we did yep. an episode about that too. Yeah. I think well, they were, that, that was a couple years ago now. Yeah. They were so focused on all like, well, what are, what's the shot going to be? Like, what's this? You got to get this shot right. You know? And like, all the story beats and everything that they like didn't even look at the major thing, which is what audiences look at. Audiences look at the big stuff, not the small stuff. And if your ad is a hit, then they'll start thinking about the, the small stuff and they'll notice the nuance. But people don't look at nuance first. They look at the big macro stuff first. Then they mm -hmm. move on to nuance. Focus on the big stuff and the subtle and nuanced stuff, it's great if you can bake it in, but that's all secondary. My old radio boss used to say, you can't have a cake that's all frosting. You have to have cake. The frosting goes on the outside, but the structure is the cake. Um, mm -hmm. If you just ate a bucket of frosting, that wouldn't <sighs> be actually, it'd be gross, right? My stomach hurts just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, like worry about the cake, worry about the big stuff, forget about the nuance and subtlety. That's the frosting. And to me, thinking back to that Peloton ad, that kind of comes back to that, like, they don't care about you point as well of, you know, Peloton defended that of they were saying, oh, we've gotten so many letters from people that were like, I wasn't someone who was a big exerciser, but then I got my Peloton and it turns out I love it and I'm super in shape now. So that was their backstory. But nobody watching that ad knew that that was the backstory yeah. and that wasn't included in the ad. Right. So there was this backstory that they were like making this assumption that people know, but instead all they saw was a woman who didn't want to get exercise equipment, who was gifted exercise equipment. <laughs> you know, that's not on its face. That's just like, really? 
they suffer from what a lot of brands suffer, which which is the curse of knowledge, mm-hmm. is that you know so much stuff. And of course, it makes sense to you, to you. But to the audience, they don't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, Peloton, huh? You could buy it? Like, there's so many. <laughs> like, the audience, you know, the, if they know you, they're like, oh, okay, it's an exercise bike. Like, they, <laughs> what what do they know about what people are writing to you about? Correct. Yeah. So they, they got in their own world and forgot to, like, take a look at uh, how the outside perceives it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's assumption wait reality reality check realistic expectation realistic number two reality check you just reality check the morning radio always comes out on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's like you put a microphone in front of you and you can't help it <laughs> all right what's reality check number three realistic expectation number three reality check You've been reality checked. It's a good thing I edit this podcast and I don't have sound. We're just going to take all this stuff out. (laughs) Expectation number three. And this comes from Rory Sutherland, I believe. But they are, your audience is satisficing is the term that he uses. So Guy, can you explain what that is? Yes, I'll explain it without an English accent. Although I love Rory's English accent. Listen to his ebook. Anyway, so satisficing. Most people are satisficing. And satisficing is the combination of two words, uh, satisfying and sufficing. So satisfying is satisfying a need. Sufficing is like, yeah, it's good enough. Like, you know, kind of, yeah, okay, that's good. So people are constantly satisficing. An example of this is I'm hungry. It's 7 p.m. The kids are crying. We're in Nashville, which is a culinary amazing place, but there's a Chipotle right out the car window. Yes, I could go on a half hour research project, go to Eater, look at reviews and find a great place in Nashville, but Chipotle will satisfy. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. It's fine. Yeah, we missed out on a great Nashville barbecue meal or whatever, but I had to satisfy, I needed to make this decision. Most companies, most of your prospects are not on the absolute journey of 100% proof. I mean, what are the odds that you are actually the best vendor of X ever in human history? The chances are low or unknowable, actually. It's unknowable. It's mm-hmm. an unknowable thing. So all the clients you have are because they satisfied you were at the right place at the right time. They saw your thing. They related to your message and maybe they compared you to two others. They definitely didn't compare you to 60 others or 100 others. Mm-hmm. They satisfied. They satisfied and you gave them enough information, a safe enough decision. They sacrificed few absolute truth. But they're satisficing. So your audience are constantly satisficing. Meaning, I think it's a silly exercise to try to appeal to them as to why your product is the best. A, because everyone else is saying that. Mm-hmm. B, is they're not going to, they can't possibly investigate enough to determine if that's true or not. So all you have to do is get awareness 
focus on getting brand awareness, focusing on getting them to your website, that's when they will satisfice and or at least you'll be in the consideration set for a satisficing. They're not going to read an 80 page white paper and then do an independent investigation, hire a private eye to track 80 people, 80 vendors. They're just not going to do that. They're not going to do that. So get that awareness, get in front of them, get your logo in there, be part of the consideration set. And you'll see, you'll win a lot more business because people are satisficing into working with you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to win on an empirical total rational thing. That is not the threshold for success. If that was the case, Apple would be out of business. Their products are not the best. Like, Thank you, you can, for finally saying that as well, I, my Android phone is next to me. They, I mean, Android is probably better. I mean, <laughs> I can build a PC that is way more powerful than the best Apple thing for like a quarter of the price. Why don't I? Because I satisfy into Apple because I'm too lazy to build a PC. You know what I mean? Like they're good enough. They're great. Like it's satisficing. Yeah. And most people when they're, you know, if, if someone is assigned at their company to find a new vendor for something or add a new solution to their tech stack, at the end of the day, to get to the consideration phase, they're probably considering like three or four companies. They are yeah. not going through G2 and scheduling a call with all 30 different options for whatever thing there is there, you know? And one of those ones down in the middle somewhere maybe actually has the best product, but if they're not going to get there. You know, people are comparing three or four. They'll talk to a couple people and they're choosing from that because that's kind of all they have time for. Having the best product is almost irrelevant, actually. To me, I think it's having the best ecosystem, like the best brand. Honestly, how I make decisions, I mean, I know this is going to sound real shallow, but if it's like if we're looking at two different project management softwares or whatever, I judge based on the website. Like, is it clean? Like, I totally judge a book by its cover. Like... Like, is it clean? Is it nice? Do they have good videos? All right, then I can trust if they have good taste here. And I don't think people consciously are aware that they're doing that, but they are. They are totally yeah. doing that. Is They're looking at the brand and how it makes them feel and then finding all the white paper they can copy and paste to put it in their decks to get approval and stuff like that. They're totally satisficing. So get in front of them. Forget about proving you're the best. It's almost irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Realistic expectation number four. <laughs> expectation number four is in the absence of your marketing, your audience is going to default to safety and safe decisions. So what that means is, and this is similar to satisficing, but unless you give them a reason to pay any attention to your brand or your product or service, they are going to make a default safe decision. And that's typically going to be choosing the leader in the space. It's going to be picking Salesforce. It's going to be picking Zoom. It's going to be picking AWS for your cloud storage. Whatever the top thing is, is a safe choice. No one's going to lose their job. You're going to get it through procurement easily because they can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, obviously we're going to go with this. It's the top leader in our space. There's no convincing to do. It's easy. They can glide through the the decision. So you need to convince them to make a choice that's potentially not the default safe choice. 
And you use yeah. the marketing to do that. Yeah. And, and what I think we're trying to get at here is don't overthink things. They always say, why is there so much bad marketing? Like, why are there mattress ads that are like so lame? Why are there so many lame ads like bounty ads haven't changed in years since I was a kid? They're the same. It's still, oh no, somebody spilled something. Yeah. Quick, grab a paper towel. Like what else are they going to do? Yeah. And and what this is at is, what this is trying to get you at is don't overbake, don't overthink. It's more important that you advertise. That's why there's so much bad advertising because even bad advertising works over not advertising. So the idea is this, is like if you don't advertise, the market share will go to the leader. Right. So it's more important than you that you advertise rather than not advertise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of brands, what they do is they hesitate and they try to come up with the perfect ad rather than just come up with an ad. It's like without your ad, they won't know that you exist. So even mm -hmm. if your ad, for example, like that Oatly ad with the guy in the field. Oh, the Super Bowl ad where he was singing. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's as good. Like in the end, we're all dust, right? In the end, in, in the universe, we are nothing. We're a, but a speck on nothing. Like we are <laughs> nothing. So in the end, and if as aliens judge ad creative, an alien would just look at Oatly and then look at imported from Detroit, arguably the best commercial of all time. And the alien would just bucket that as like, humans are trying to sell other humans something there. It's still an ad. Oatly is still better than not doing that ad. And that ad was like homemade. He was like, can you tell? But I mean, like, you know, it's awful, but Hey, Oatly's huge now. And so it's mm -hmm. more important that they advertise rather than not advertise. So don't overthink it. It's more important to capture that audience attention so they don't go default to the safe choice. And if you are currently the leader in your category and are considered the safe choice, guess what? You still have to keep marketing and advertising because you need to stay top of mind. You need to fight to keep that default position. That's right, because there's a bunch of brands like Because there's a bunch of people coming after you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, you know, Oatly's stealing market share from milk. Mm-hmm. I never heard of oat milk before Oatly. You know what I mean? That's because I need to talk to you more about dairy alternatives, apparently. But <laughs> is oat milk the best? Is it does it taste the most like milk? It depends what you are using it for. It does not taste the most like milk. But then again, I haven't had milk since uh 2009. So what do I know what milk tastes like? But it's the creamiest and it works very well for a lot of different uses. Oatly makes good ice cream. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that guy just was like, it's Oatly, tastes like milk. It's terrible. It's annoying. <laughs> but I remembered it and I remember Oatly. So win. It's a win. The worst ad is no ad. Mm -hmm. Honestly. And like our most, well, this is kind of changing now with our campaign from last year. But up until last year or up till this year, our most successful ad was like 15 seconds was Lorena. You know, why do all B2B videos, blah, 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 using ball. It's like the simplest ad that it just says what we do. So mm -hmm. even if you make a 15 second ad, that's like, hi, 
we are company X and we do this. Please use us. That's still infinitely better than no ad at all. Mm -hmm. So that was the reality smack. Expectation check. All right. Realistic expectation number five. And this one is more specific to video than the other ones, which are more general marketing. But realistic expectation number five. Number five. <laughs> the odds of your audience watching your entire video is very low. On average, they're probably watching a third of it. Even if it's only 15 seconds long, they're probably not watching the whole thing. That's right. So this is, goes back to the thing of like, assume disinterest. They're not going to watch the full thing. For example, our, our ads get like very high completion rates because we're so great. Because we're like really good at our jobs. Yeah. Um, I'm just in our LinkedIn thing right now in our ad uh, campaign manager. Okay. So the highest completion rate is that spot I just talked about with Lorena in the conference room. It has a 35.19% completion rate. So that means out of the people out of the people that watched it in a given period, 35% of them completed it. And that's like super, super high. The LinkedIn average completion rate is 13%. That's the average. So on average, your ads, out of all the people that watch them, on average, 13% will actually watch the full thing. Ours get, you know, above 20 and this one is above 30, but, st and, and that's great, right? Like mm -hmm. we're patting ourselves on the back, but in the end still, that's pretty low. Yeah. 35%, only 35% watched it all the way through, which means most of those people didn't watch it all the way through. Maybe they cut out at the 70% mark, maybe they cut out the 50 or the 25% mark. The idea is that, again, assume disinterest. Assume they're not going to watch enough to get that brand impression. Assume they're not going to care enough to stick through to where you reveal your joke or whatever. Your organization will have an urge to jam pack this full of detail. They see that 60 second bucket as a thing of let's jam as much stuff into that 60 seconds as possible. The problem with that is that a, they're not going to watch the full thing and B, the more info you jam in there, the more you actually lower the chances of people completing it because it's so boring. <laughs> so bake this into your creative. You have to assume that people aren't going to watch the full thing. And so what are things we can do to prevent people from dropping off? cliffhangers, jokes, you know, that's where the creative comes in. So don't make the mistake of thinking that everyone is going to watch all of your ad. It's not going to happen. And that's okay too. And I think about even when I've been in, in a consideration phase of considering a new service or a new product, sometimes I'll get to a product video and I want to see a demo of something. And I pull up a product video, but you end up watching a little bit and then you kind of click through because you want to just see the features and how it works, but you're not actually watching the whole thing. And that doesn't mean I wasn't giving it fair consideration. I'm just a busy person. I don't want to sit and watch a three minute video, but I still got the impression that I wanted to get. Like, I'm glad that they had that video available to me. So I didn't give it a full watch, but that doesn't mean I didn't even necessarily buy that product afterwards. It showed me what I wanted to show, what I wanted to see, and then I could go and, you know, contact a salesperson to get a full demo or 
click buy if that's what I wanted. So you want to give people the opportunity to engage with or not engage with your content as much as they want to. And the great thing about video is that you can click through it and you can skip ahead and you can stop and go. And if you've gotten what you need out of it, you can leave and that's okay. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of like skimming on a website. I wouldn't expect anyone to sit and read every single word on our website. In fact, that would be kind of ridiculous <laughs> for anyone to sit and read all the text on anyone's website, but you give them enough that they skim the headings, they read the first sentence, they get the gist, they look at the pictures. You know, it, it, it's all just giving people an idea of what you represent. And the same goes for your video content. People are just trying to get an idea for what you represent. And maybe they watch the whole thing, maybe they don't, but you just need to put your best foot forward throughout the entire piece. And like, what are you giving this person right now? Yeah, like you said, I mean, people are trying to get an idea of what you represent so that they can satisfy off that mm -hmm. so that they can make that satisficing decision. But yeah, it all they all commingle all these reality smackdowns eventually culminate in a reality slap. Do they so know? Expect, so you better expect that slap. OK, I'll run through them. Yes. The five realistic expectations of your audience. One, your audience doesn't care about you or your competition as much as you do. Two, your audience doesn't pick up on subtlety or nuance. Three, they're satisficing. Four, in the absence of your marketing, they will default to safety. And five, the odds of them watching your whole video are low. So taking all of this, what does this mean for our marketing efforts? How does this translate to actually what we're putting out there? So what I what I want you to do is take these expectations and with these expectations in mind, you know, think about your audience reacting to your ads through these, you know, five lenses. Yeah, it's a way that you can evaluate the marketing and the creative that you're putting out there. So think about, is this too subtle for people outside our industry to pick up on? Is this potentially talking way too much about our competition in a way that our audience doesn't care about? Does this video require somebody to watch 65 seconds before they get to any sort of satisfying conclusion or brand hit? Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of run through those things and look at what you're putting out there, it's a way that you can think about how you can potentially make things more effective or update and re-release what you already have. And some of these things you can kind of evaluate your current marketing by looking at, you know, YouTube retention rates. You see where people are dropping off from your content and a drop off is expected. But if on average, if you're below these benchmarks and these averages, then there's a chance that you can reevaluate and potentially re-edit, re-release, see yep. what you can do to to fight these, these audience uh, biases, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's just the environment you're entering. And what hopefully this would help you do is if your agency or your internal team are coming up with concepts, this could help you kind of filter through because there are so many great concepts. Every day we have great concepts that don't take into account the audience. A lot of times we generate mm -hmm. concepts for us. Yeah, problem is, is this is a money making up uh, adventure thing we need to get customers we're not just making art so while it works in art doing something for yourself it doesn't work when you're trying to get customers and so 
what this is helping you do is, you know, hopefully giving you another set of tools to, uh, you know, get more customers. But here's the biggest takeaway, I think, is all of these things were learned by us just making mistakes with our own marketing and learning stuff and getting insights out of like us marketing ourselves, right? Like the best thing for you to do is just to market and you'll, you'll, you'll develop different insights that we can't even offer you. And the other thing too, is don't get trapped up in all these like, well, guy said, guy and hope said that, Blah, 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 that no one cares about the competition. Don't take any of these things as rules. You could, you know, you can do whatever you want. These are basically more, more times than not what we've seen. You know what I mean? But that being said, there are no rules. Go for it. This is all a baseline. It's the same as any other sort of like benchmarks that you're reading about. You know, if you read right. that the LinkedIn benchmark for a view through rate is uh, what did you say? It was like 15%. But then like we that. know that our best performing ads are 35%. So we don't evaluate our own performance based on the LinkedIn benchmark because we know we can do better than that. So we evaluate our performance based on historical performance of our own stuff. Yep. And that's where our new benchmark is. So it's the same with any of these expectations. You get out there, do some campaigns, find out what your benchmark for your audience is, find out what they care about, find out how much time they're spending Look at your retention rates on your videos. Mm -hmm. Find out what decisions they're making when they don't choose you. And then you can tailor your marketing around that. Yep. It's it's more important that you do market than not. Hope this has been a great episode. Uh, probably the best one yet. Where oh, can yeah, people learn about us? People can find us across all the social media channels at Umalt. That's U-M-A-U-L-T. You can also visit our website at umalt.com. And we talk about a lot of this stuff on our LinkedIn page. That's probably the best place to find us. Thanks for listening today. You're welcome.